In this episode with Life with the Browns, we're going to talk about a book. I'm not a big book reader, but my wife is. You are a book. You're a book listener. I'm a book listener, and yes, I am. <laughs> but uh, this book is called Leadership and Self-Deception. And uh, I don't th- think of myself as being one who's self-deceived, but uh, we will find out more right now. Welcome back to the Browns. I am Mr. Brown, and she is Andrea Brown. Andrea Brown. Today we have some guests, some really good friends. Not only are they friends, they are sponsors of some of our podcasts. Sutherland EDS. Um, they like your teeth. <laughs> I don't think that's the tagline. That's not the tagline, but <laughs> but they we do. Go with that. They, they love to see you smile because they like to take care of your teeth. But we are here with Shondell and Scott Sutherland. I call him John. <laughs> John Scott. John Scott. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And let me give a little bit of a of, prelim of why we're here today. Uh, we don't have a swimming pool, but we <laughs> like swimming. That's true. Our kids love swimming. So one of our tell everybody about our bucket list this summer. Well, we've been making bucket lists. And one of them was swim in as many pools as possible. <laughs> but we don't have a pool. So that requires friends. our friends pools. or or strangers. <laughs> <laughs> Either one would work. Comment below if you, can, if you have one. <laughs> if you have a pool, we can swim in. Yeah, be, be on the lookout for the brown family. <laughs> if you find somebody in your pool, they're not bears, they're the I browns. Was, I was beginning, like, it seemed like a good idea when I was making this list with Sophia and Evan, and then I felt a little weird about it. Like, maybe that, we don't really mean to turn all of our friends oh, into, like, it. just being useful for their pools. But then we went to somebody's house yesterday, and they're like, you know that, People with pools buy a house with a pool because we want friends to come yeah. over. So they made me feel better. They yes. said they yes. said it was okay for me to use all of our friends for their <laughs> yes. pools. So we're at the Sutherland's pool and we're hanging out and um, somebody skipped out on us. I think John Scott was supposed to be there. He never showed up. But anyway, it's a whole other subject for another day. <laughs> but we're hanging out, swimming and talking about a lot of stuff going on in our nation with all the mm-hmm. riots and protests, things of that nature. But uh, all of a sudden, um, Shondell told me about a book, and we just had a conversation about some books and things. And people tell you about books all the time because everybody thinks they got the best book, right? It's like, <laughs> this book will change your life. And so she began to tell me about it. So I just said, hey, Siri, remind me to look up this book when I get home. And uh, I actually looked it up, bought it, and started listening to it, and it really blew my mind. Yeah. So I told my wife about it. She probably read it before I listened to the first chapter because she reads so fast. But we want to get together and talk about this book and how I think it has the potential to really be an answer for some of the turmoil and mm-hmm. unrest we, hear in our, we see in our culture today. Um, I think it's, a, it's applicable for marriages, for companies, for schools, <laughs> just humans in general. And my wife, Andrew, you mentioned several times about the idea that uh, a lot of books we read now are not about marriage, but they help in marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I've just found that often if I have an issue where I feel stuck, surprisingly, sometimes the things that are most helpful are things that come in kind of sideways at the problem. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I tend to be kind of like touchy about, <laughs> about things. And so most of the like marriage communication books often end up dealing too much with husband and wife stereotypes. And I end up defensive about, well, that's not us. So, but So have found business books to sometimes be the most helpful for me working on my marriage because it lets me process something in a different space and then I get to figure out for myself how to make it 
work. And I feel that way in a lot of things. Sometimes we just get so you have these like buzzwords or the, and, and you say them and everyone just attaches all the things, all the connotations to it. And so I think it makes it really hard sometimes to have a nuanced conversation because as as soon as you say one word or try to challenge a viewpoint, we just have lots of feelings about it. And so sometimes I do feel like coming in sideways with really helpful ideas or tools just make a huge difference, at least for me. So Shondell, you gave me the book um, because you noticed that I've been self-deceived about some things. (laughs) 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 So I want to go around the table and just say, what is like, just like big takeaway or something that really just I don't know, just something simple about the book that has helped you, has changed you, or why you like the book so much. I've taught this class with numerous businesses, corporations, teams over and over again, and some over like 10 years. And the thing that happens is I always find a place that I'm in the box, I, of which is going to be lingo. I always find a place that even though I teach it, I've read the books, these books we're talking about like seven, eight, nine times, and I still find areas in my heart and life that I need to work on. And so that's why I love it because I feel like as soon as you think you're not self-deceived, you find another area. And I just love personal growth like that. Right. I love to grow and I appreciate the book because it convicts me. So, so you, is that your confession that you did think I was self-deceived too? No. Well, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. are. We all are. We all are. Some you are a very self-aware person though. So I'll give you a little bit more grace. All right, John, what you're married to her and <laughs> she had to give you the book at some point. What, did you think, Hey, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> oh, I made him go to a class. <laughs> that I taught in like month two of us being married. So, Yeah. In fact, I had about a a three hour drive just to get to the location where she was teaching this. And uh, on the way I was listening to the book in the car. And uh, so it it is a great book. I, I, before we get into too much detail, one of you two, since you've read it recently, break down what self-deception is. Well, I'll just start because I can relate with the story he tells about being in the bed and the baby's crying and you don't want to get up and you kind of nudge or, you know, you, you say, is she going to hear? Is she going to hear? And uh, I even like turn over like, (laughs) 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 and I felt that I I heard that, you know, early in our marriage with our kids. And, um, but then I had to realize, you know what? I can do it too. And, and now in our marriage, you know, for several years now, I've realized that, look, she does so much during the day, and if she can sleep throughout the night, that's better for everybody. And yeah. and it's a way for me to serve her. And it's not I'm not being like, you know, the sacrificial lamb or anything, but the truth is I don't sleep. I'm, I'm like, okay, ears up. What's going on in my house when I'm sleeping? <laughs> like, like, I'm the protector, so I'm up anyway. And so I just do it and deal with it. So, But I did at first, in being in our marriage, I felt like, you know, that, that, that interaction he said in your own head, like, you build those things that aren't true about the other person because you've deceived yourself. Like you've, you've, um, mm-hmm. you've what it, betrayed yourself in yeah. that thinking. And then now it's like, oh, she's lazy or she's this or she's that. And, you know, you just, and then, and I kind of, I never, never had language for it to this book, but I've talked about in front of people speaking how I've had arguments with her without her knowing. Yeah, <laughs> I've had arguments with her, and she don't know about. It, but I'm arguing, right? Oh, yeah. And and now I can see I had, I had betrayed myself at some point, and now I'm in this site. I'm in the box, yeah. and um, and she has no idea, and I'm mad. You know, she should know I'm mad, but she don't know I'm mad. Cause I ain't said nothing about it. <laughs> right. So I think for me that that was like what it is to be self-deceived, not doing something you know you should do, mm-hmm. and then you you justify trying to justify yourself 
of why you didn't do it when you know you should be doing it, yeah. it, it that, that was for me. Yeah. What about you? I think that kind of connects with what I think the point, like their definition of self-deception is, which is this idea of um, not knowing that you have a problem and resisting the possibility that you are part of the problem. <laughs> and I think that that was really compelling to me, even in all these conversations that we're having around a global pandemic and racial issues. And um, because so often I feel like in all sorts of issues that we feel like really matter and that we want to make a difference in the world, it's really easy to try to locate all of the problem outside of ourselves. And I'm not sure that we ever get to real solutions if we always see ourselves as being outside the problem group and pointing fingers at all the ways that it should change. And so I think this was really compelling to me and also challenging because if you're just looking for a way to solve the problem that doesn't involve you, this book is not going to give it yeah. to you. Yeah. But it, But it's empowering to me because... I really cannot do anything about changing my husband, changing amen, my, amen, amen. <laughs> <laughs> even when I see real issues that I feel like I'm supposed to play a role in making a difference in the only person I really have power of change over is me. And sometimes it can feel really crippling when the problem is all out there. Yeah. Yep. And, I, and I realized like recently I had this Apple watch band and I would work out in it, my Apple Watch, and, I, and also I smelled something. Something smelled everywhere. I took a shot. Something smelled, and it was me. It was my <laughs> Apple Watch band. <laughs> but how easy it is to see it's somebody else's smells. Yeah. It's not me because I did everything I'm supposed to do. But the idea that you know what that stink might actually be me. Yeah. So but you're the you're the pro, Shondell. How how do you describe well, a it? A pro of self deception. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. I think the best way to explain it is that we all have, um, you know, we're all human inside and we have our values and our integrity. And when we have this thought about someone or an action that betrays that. So back to you're talking about the story in the book as well as yourself, Mr. Brown, when you're in the bed and you're thinking, I, you, the first thing that comes to your mind, I should get up. Mm -hmm. So that is the point. It's something that happens within you. And then immediately when we don't obey that, when we don't honor that, then you get, you go instantly into deception because you're like, but, and that, and what happens when you instantly, so when you do not honor your own values and on, and what's going on, mm -hmm. you instantly go into deception because you have just betrayed yourself. And at that point, the deception is you got to start justifying that in your head immediately. So what happens is immediately without knowing, uh, like Mr. Brown, you have to make um, Andrea's, her, her vices worse and your virtues better so or even or even making up her, those fights like yeah she's lazy she, totally I, can, I build this in this invisible wall of untruth because i've i've betrayed myself yes. and actually this i don't know if this is in the book but i'm building this wall that creates the box that i'm in and I, and bingo I, and i love That's the word exactly. you said honoring what you believe yeah because sometimes we think you know the idea of obeying or you know it just it, it can be weird because do i obey, obey myself but mm -hmm. do i want to honor what I and who I want to be, but in those moments I betray who I who I who I am. Like even small things, something's on the floor. Okay, I should pick that up, but I don't pick it up. 
That's right. Because somebody else should do it, and they're lazy, and they're this, and they're that. Right. So in this, so this is how fast it happens. The second that you think I should pick that up, and you don't do it, bam. You're in the box because now other people are lazy. Other people mm-hmm. are this. It's about other people. So you mi- so here's the magic. You immediately start j- blaming and judging other people the second you betray yourself. I mean, I mean, it's because it's called cognitive dissonance. So now I'm getting my psychology degree out for y'all. <laughs> cognitive dissonance is that you cannot believe something and behave differently. So there has to be an adjustment quickly. And so when that happens in our body, then all of a sudden what we, we call, and you're explaining it well, building the wall, we enter this box around someone. And at that point in time, you have to start making them an object. Mm. So they lose their humanity and become an object so that this is the scary part. You can justify yourself because, and the really, the key is you just didn't honor yourself. Mm. You betrayed yourself. So how have you seen that, uh, Scott? Have you like, you've asked us, but how have you seen that in your life? Don't talk about your life, but <laughs> you can talk about me all you want. Well, just to build on what she was saying about the 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 box, and when you do objectify somebody, so they're they're no longer a person to you, and so you can mistreat them, <clears throat> and uh, and and whenever you know we we do that, um, and then you know it. We can we can belittle people. We can, uh, yeah, just treat them very poorly, and and we feel justified in in doing so. And it's interesting because even if we we don't do that normally, we feel justified because they're the problem or they're the object of, and they deserve this. That's right. And it even changes who we are and our own values. And so the self betrayal continues to happen over and over again as we go down this spiral, I call it. It's just a downward spiral. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, can we talk about that whole making another person an object thing for a little bit? Because that was actually one thing that I had a hard time with with this book. And I started kind of like playing with different language in my head because I don't identify right away mm-hmm. with feeling like I look at other people and objectify them or see them as as less than so it took some it took some like reading and processing for me to figure out because because that that language just didn't really work for me one thing that did really make sense was just that idea of any any way that I am seeing another person as less human or like I like there was one part where he talked about um self-betrayal being when you actively resist the humanity of others but I think that i which we're really just talking about the one book, but they have some more in one of the later books. I think it's the anatomy of peace really helped me realize because I think I actually tend to um, do it in a way that almost I interact in ways where it like almost diminishes my own humanity that I see myself as less valuable than others and then I also have this this need to maintain a sense of like being the nice person so I almost do it I do it in this weird reverse way of not it's not like the obvious um, aggressive like power over people sort of stance but I start to diminish myself and other people equally as human and and then I start behaving badly in that like I let their bad behavior go and then I just grow mm-hmm. resentment. Mm-hmm. But it's easy for me to get stuck in that because I'm not being, I'm not outwardly diminishing their humanity. I'm not yelling at them. I'm not belittling them. But there's this, 
Like it goes unchecked. We've talked before in other things where some people's bad behavior, everyone really dislikes. But my bad behavior is like a silencing of a silencing of bad behavior. And most people don't know that it's happening and kind of even prefer if I don't (laughs) say when I don't like how they're treating me. If I don't, if I don't say, and this book really helped me see that in some ways me not speaking up is because it's, it's like a belittling them because I almost decide they're not worth my trouble. It is a way of diminishing their humanity because I'm not willing to engage in with them as a human. Oh yeah, that happened at Costco. I'll give you just a small little example. Just like three days ago, Scott Scott looks at me and he goes, what is wrong with you? Like you are being (laughs) irritable and I'm now irritable with you. So what is irritating you? And I didn't want to talk about it because, and so I kind of went a little silent because I'm like, you don't even want me to start talking, right? Like you really don't want to hear what I have going on in my mind. But, um, so we, <laughs> we walked through and, uh, but, smiling but and he was treating me as a person because he was saying he was calling out what it is and having a hard conversation with me, what I was doing. So when we had the conversation right by the soups, um, he, I let him, ha- I mean, I know it. And a lot of it, right. You could, he goes, well, I'm glad you told me all this. Like a lot was on him. Right, really, I mean, like, he, in one hand, was the problem, if you will. But I wasn't treating him. So in, when we got it all done, I got off my chest. Like, we were back to being equal. And really, he was more at fault, I will just say, than I was. But he treated me like a human, and I didn't treat him like a human. Hmm. Because I was being quiet, trying not to go off, right? And, yeah. But really, that's all about me. I don't want to be seen as a mean person who's petty. And so... Instead of just going, hey, that was really irritating to me, it, you know, I just sucked it up thinking, oh, I'm such a good wife. So there's another place where he confronting me, you know, would look like but he was treating me humanly. Me being silent was not being human. So that's yeah, weird. I can build into this. I think I enter into that because of a cultural value, maybe of niceness, being nice, yes. being kind. And so it feels very almost self-sacrificial. Yes. And, but then it can very quickly turn into this complex where I am the kind, <laughs> sacrificial. Like I've built this whole store and it's like a way of backing myself maybe backwards into the box. I can see it real easily when people just like abusively don't see the humanity of other people. Yeah. But it's been really powerful for me to see that my kind of self-righteousness is another... <laughs> it's another way of objectifying or at least seeing people as less than fully human. Yeah, it's so true. Well, and I see it everywhere, and I'm guilty of this too, is everyone thinks they're the one being loving and that's not love. And it's just because you don't, people call that's not love when they don't agree with them. Like if it does, (laughs) if I don't agree with it, then it's not If I don't like what you're doing. If I don't like what you're saying, but I'm loving. Right. And so what I realized is like, we're all in the box because we all think we're the loving one. And we have objectified the person and said, you're not loving without ever hearing the conversation. 
Now that was a great conversation. I enjoyed that time with the Sutherlands. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Conversation with the Browns. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation on next episode and check it out. We're going to talk about what it means to be in the box, how to get out of the box, and a lot of other things as well as we talk about this book, this great book, Leadership and Self-Deception. I would suggest you pick it up. We'll put a link in the description, whether you're on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts. They shouldn't have switched that on and messed me up. Google Podcasts or even on our website, lifewiththebrowns.com. So please check us out at lifewiththebrowns.com and join us next episode as we continue this conversation on leadership and self-deception.